Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray, a podcast where we strive to follow the Come, Follow Me teachings that are in the, the, the program outlined by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where we strive to become more dedicated and devout disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend and had a chance to partake of the sacrament and enjoy uh, the fruits of going to and observing the Sabbath. Um, uh, today we're going to be in chapter 6 of Second Nephi. Uh, this is where Jacob kind of starts some of his ministry. Um, and it's, it's, it's really good. But before we get started, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer per usual. Um, so let's start there and then we'll jump right in. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee so very much for this wonderful day. We thank thee, Father, for the blessings that we enjoy each and every day, our safety, our health, our families, our friends. Father, please help us now as we study thy scriptures, as we seek to come closer to thee. Bless us with a measure of thy spirit, that we might be able to draw near unto thee, that we might be able to have thy spirit with us throughout this day. Bless us not only enjoy thy spirit, but also to have the courage and the dedication to share thy word with others, that we might also have a hand in bringing about thy work and thy glory. Please forgive us of our sins, Father, and help us to come close to thee. And we pray for these things ever so humbly in the name of thy Son, even Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, like I said, we're going to be in Second uh, Nephi chapter six, and this is where um, Jacob really starts um, going. So today, um, because the Book of Mormon student manual is fairly light on uh, commentary and things like that, I'm going to lean on the website I talked about either last time or the time before that um, about it's the the Book of Mormon on dot online. It's a wonderful resource. It has a lot of commentary from different authors and uh, different things like that. It's a wonderful um, way to study the Book of Mormon. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. Um, but let's go ahead and get started in 2 Nephi chapter 6, and we'll see where we get to. So, the words of Jacob, the brother of Nephi, which he spake unto the people of Nephi. Behold, my beloved brethren, I, Jacob, having been called of God, and ordained after the manner of his holy order, and having been consecrated by my brother Nephi, unto whom ye look as a king, or a protector, and on whom ye depend for safety, Behold, ye know that I have spoken unto you exceedingly many things. Nevertheless, I speak unto you again, for I am desirous for the welfare of your souls. Yea, mine anxiety is great for you, and ye yourselves know that it ever has been. For I have exhorted you with all diligence, and I have taught you with the words of my Father, and I have spoken unto you concerning all things which are written from the creation of the world." All right, so in the Book of Mormon Student Manual, it talks about how Jacob taught with authority. It says, Jacob taught with power and authority from God. He was, quote, called of God and ordained after the manner of his holy order, received the holy priesthood, and consecrated or set apart by his brother Nephi. In addition, Jacob employed three important elements of effective teaching as explained by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He says, quote, For I have exhorted you with all diligence, and I have taught you the words of my Father, and I have spoken unto you concerning all things which are written. From the creation of the world, 
That is the formula by which the gospel has always been taught, a process used to this day, personal testimony, the teachings of the living prophets, and the written record of the scriptures. Close quote. President Joseph Fielding Smith explained that what order of the priesthood the Nephites exercised, saying, quote, The Nephites were descendants of Joseph. Lehi discovered this when reading the brass plates. Therefore, they, there were no Levites who accompanied Lehi to the Western Hemisphere. Under these conditions, the Nephites officiated by virtue of the Melchizedek priesthood from the days of Lehi to the days of the appearance of the Savior among them. Close quote. Um, all right, so let's go back over to verse 4. And now behold, I speak unto you concerning the things which are and which are to come. Wherefore, I will read you the words of Isaiah. They are the words which my brother has desired that I should speak unto you. And I speak unto you for the sakes that ye may learn and glorify the name of your God. And now the words which I shall read are they which Isaiah spake concerning all the house of Israel, wherefore they may be likened unto you, for ye are of the house of Israel. And there are many things which have been spoken by Isaiah which may be likened unto you, because ye are of the house of Israel. So right here, Jacob is really calling everybody out. He's saying, listen, you know, we're reading these because they're about the house of Israel. And so don't zone out and think, oh, well, this is concerning, you know, these other people. No, you're of the house of Israel. So you count in these scriptures and you should listen and liken them unto yourself. And so if we should be doing the same thing, you know, we, we shouldn't say, oh, well, Jacob was talking to the people of his time and these don't necessarily necessarily in, you know, have anything to do with us. They, we can, we can, um, we can learn from them, but they're not necessarily meant for us. Well, I would suggest that if you have your patriarchal blessing, you read that again to discover uh, which what lineage of the house of Israel you're from, either from or have been adopted into, and realize that this is for you just as much as it was for them. So now in, uh, in verse 6, it says, And now these are the words. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring thy sons to their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. All right, so this is where we start getting into, um, this is, we start talking about the promises that are given to Israel, especially in the last days, or after the last days, I should say, the second coming. Um, what God has in mind, we'll kind of get to that later, that You'll see in a later verse that God says, you know, you don't understand the wonders I have in store for those who wait upon me. Those who truly hold out in faith. Those are the people who will truly know the glory and the, the majesty of God. Um, so, in verse 7, And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their faces towards the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Oh, there it is. So, this is one thing that um, you, you hear, And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and queens thy, thy nursing mothers. Um there was a tradition back, uh, you know, back back in the in the time when those who ha held higher positions, you know, king, queen, those different positions, they would often be um, such that they 
wouldn't really have too much to do with the rearing of their children. Sometimes they would, but other times they would have nursing uh, nursemaids or or people like that who would tutors who would raise essentially raise their children. And the, obviously, the higher quality nursemaid you could a- attain, or the higher quality tutors you could attain, the higher status you reflected upon yourself as well. Not only the the blessings that would come to your children because of it, you know, because they're receiving the best quality education, the best quality rearing they possibly could be receiving. So here, the Lord is saying, look, you know, you think that just because you're of the house of Israel and just because you're you're following me, that you're the lowest of the low. But we see time and again that he who would be ruler among you, let him be your servant. So we're seeing here that the Lord in another in another light is saying, look, you follow me. You keep the commandments. You do what I ask you to do. And in the end, even those who you see in the world as being the highest of the high will be your servant. They'll be the ones who help you with your tasks because they have, they're in no way comparable to my own work and glory. Verse 8. And now I, Jacob, would speak somewhat concerning these words. For behold, the Lord has shown me that those who were at Jerusalem, from whence we came, have been slain and carried away captive. So here, so here, Jacob is, um, he's kind of showing these two almost contradictory um, aspects of what he's talking about. On one hand, it seems to be that he's saying, okay, you know, we've got, Israel is going to be powerful. They're going to be, a, you know, this powerful nation. They're never going to be subjected. All these things, and then at the same time, he says, "But also, um, but also, we have uh, the, the the fact that Jerusalem has been destroyed." And so you might be like, "Well, okay," <laughs> but you just said that you know kings and queens were going to be the nursing fathers and mothers, and now you're saying, "But." No, that's not, no, it, right now everyone's been destroyed and taken away captive. Now they're, they're even further down in the dust than they were before. And there's this strange dichotomy uh, and that's kind of laid out. He continues on um, in verse 9. Nevertheless, the Lord has shown unto me that they should return again. And he also has shown unto me that the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, should manifest himself unto them in the flesh. And after he should manifest himself, they should scourge him and crucify him. According to the words of an angel, according to the words of the angel who spake it unto me. And after they have hardened their hearts and stiffened their necks against the Holy One of Israel, behold, the judgments of the Holy One of Israel shall come upon them. And the day shall come that they shall be smitten and afflicted. Wherefore, after they are driven to and fro, for thus saith the angel, many shall be afflicted in the flesh, and shall not be suffered to perish, because of the prayers of the faithful, they shall be scattered and smitten, and hated. Nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them, that when they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again to the lands of their inheritance. So, he, Jacob is laying out here, he's saying, you know, there's an obvious connection to the righteousness of the house of Israel, that the more they, they obtain a righteous standing before the Lord, the greater they will be blessed in their temporal standing in the world. Now, 
The instant they start to fall and begin to scourge and to they harden their hearts and stiffen their necks against the Holy One of Israel, he says in verse 10, Behold, the judgments of the Holy One of Israel shall come upon them. And the day cometh, and they shall be smitten and afflicted. And the whole point of this is that God is trying to enable us to see and learn from our own errors and mistakes. Now, the whole thing to remember is that it's the the what's going on is not like God saying, "Oh, well, um, you didn't keep my commandments, so instead of reaching for my, you know, my blessing sprinkles, I have to reach for my my trials and temptations um, bag and dump those out on you." No, that's not the case. the the mat the the truth of it is is that when we we are on God's side, when we are on God's side, and when we are in God's camp, we're with Him in His work. We're with Him in His glory. We're doing those things. He then is able to protect us. He is then able to watch over us, to guide us, to guard us. He won't protect us from all hardships and trials, as we've talked about before, because we still need to grow and to learn. But the majority of those things will be we will be shielded from, as we've seen with the house of Israel in, in multiple and different occasions. We see people like, with, with the fall of Jerusalem that, that is happening here in the Bible. All right, so the, the Jerusalem was wicked and about to be destroyed. <coughs> Excuse me. It's about to be destroyed. The, they, we have the wicked. They're the ones being slain, t- taken captive. Those terrible things are happening to them. But it's a it's a it's a t- coin toss. You're going to be killed. You're going to be taken as a captive. Who knows? But we have the righteous. We have Lehi and his family who was who were seeking the will of the Lord. The Lord then guides and directs him and says, "Okay, you're coming out. You're not even going to stay in there anymore. I'm going to lead you to another land, somewhere you will be kept safe altogether." That is a blessing that came because of their righteousness. They were taken out of that hardship. Then you have someone like Daniel and his friends. They were, they were also seemingly righteous. They were righteous. And in their, in their as a blessing, as a direct blessing of the, well, I, I guess I don't, I don't know it was a direct blessing, but as a blessing from, that came from their righteousness, they weren't some of the ones who were slain or th- you know, thrown down to be you know, the, the, these bottom dweller servants. They became some of the highest officials in the Babylonian government because of their righteousness. You have Jeremiah, who was also carried away to a different land before it was destroyed. All these different people, I'm sure there were there are tons of other stories of people who, in their seeking of God's will, were given either notice of what was coming and led away to a safer land, or were taken captive and put into places and positions that were better than they would have been otherwise. Those are the blessings that God can give unto us. He can guide and he can direct and he can comfort and bless us. Not to mention the the very fact that taking part in God's work and glory, taking part in the work of salvation, is one thing that can give our lives, not just our lives, but the whole existence of the earth, meaning, and therefore allow us to be a more 
dedicated and a more happy people because we have a purpose in this life that goes beyond just the mundane and the fallible things of our world. We have our faith and our roots deep into a doctrine, deep into a a way of living that is something that is beyond just, you know, these worldly ideas and philosophies and dogmas. It's an eternal doctrine that will, that it truly is the iron rod that will guide us and, and anchor us on our path towards the tree of life. All right, so let's see. We are in verse 12, I believe. <laughs> And blessed are the Gentiles, they of whom the prophet has written. For behold, if it so be that they shall repent and fight not against Zion and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church, they shall be saved. For the Lord God will fulfill his covenants, which he has made unto his children. For this cause the prophet has written these things. So this is, this is an important verse. We hear all the time, God is no respecter of persons. God has no favorites. God has, you know, or even or even the idea that Jesus loves everyone. That is true. They, God loves all of his children. God loves everyone. All these kinds of things. God has no favorites. But we are told here that if the Gentiles, who are not necessarily the chosen ones, the, you know, the, the members of the house of Israel, if they shall repent and fight not against Zion and do not unite themselves to the great and abominable church, they shall be saved. God's stipulation for being saved, receiving exaltation, receiving the blessings of eternity and the, the, gift, the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ are not, are not held on a basis of your lineage, who you are, what you look like, any of those things. The only thing that God wants you to do, regardless of who you are, is to keep the commandments, to join with Zion, and to shun the abominable church. Now, you start to break those apart and it, it becomes a lot more work than you think just from saying those three things, but it doesn't matter if you're of the house of Israel or a Gentile. God is reaching out and giving away salvation and the gifts of the kingdom and the mysteries of God and all the other wonderful blessings that come from God to those who are willing to work for them. Now, that's a big word, work for them. That means that we as individuals, we as members, quote, members of the church, we shouldn't feel like, oh, well, we're members of the church, and therefore, as long as I just do whatever the prophet says, I'm going to be fine. Because that's not what God intended for you to do. God didn't intend for you to come down here and aimlessly and blindly follow and walk into wherever, you, wherever some other person tells you to go. That is not the, pro the point. We are not to put our faith in the arm of flesh. We are to put our faith in God. Therefore, it is our duty to seek out the will of the Lord for us individually. We can't, if, if we fall into the same trap as the ancient house of Israel of saying, well, we're righteous. We just kind of keep doing what we're supposed to be doing, doing the, you know, the primary answers. Okay, that's a good start. But the primary answers would be pray, go to church, read your scriptures, those kind of things. Well, well, why are you praying? 
It's good to give gratitude. It is, it is exceptionally good to be grateful for the things and the blessings that God has given unto us. And we should be grateful every day because God has given us so much. But are we praying just to be grateful? Are we praying just to ask God for a few things and close up the book and say, that's it, we're done? So often the prophets have told us not to let our prayers become shopping lists. Our prayers should be communions with the Almighty. We should be in having a two-way discussion. And don't get me wrong, I understand that it is, that it's not something that just happens overnight. It is a it is an experience that takes time. It's a muscle that needs to be worked and built until we get to that point where we are walking in revelation. We have to be able to shake off the dust of our eyes and say, okay, the prophets have led me this far, but they, they're not going to drag me to the tree of life. The prophet's duty is to get us to the iron rod, to show us the path. We still have to walk on that path. What is the point of reading our scriptures if not to learn the greater things of the gospel, if not to deepen our faith in the doctrine, to become disciples of Christ, not disciples of whichever prophet or apostle we might like the best? Regardless of who it is, what you have done, or where you are in life, if you will exercise faith in Christ, repent of your sins, come to Zion, and shun the abominable church, the blessings of God will be poured out upon you. What that looks like to you individually, I don't know. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And so to say that it'll look like this would be wrong of me. But God has a plan for you. And unfortunately, well, I guess I shouldn't say unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, however you see it, he's not going to tell the prophet, go and tell brother so-and-so exactly what I want them to do, exactly how I want them to carry it out, and what to expect after it's done. There's a reason it's called general conference. General conference is a general topic. It's generally for the whole group. Everyone's at a different point. And so they're not going to dive into exactly the fundamentals of what you need to be doing. What you need to be doing is exercising the faith in Christ, thinking celestial, not thinking telestial or terrestrial, but actually seeking the presence and the will of the Father and the Son, so that we might be able to truly follow after Him. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you will take the time today to pray about these things and to seek the truth for yourself. Because the Lord does have many blessings for us. So many things, so many blessings and individual glories for you personally in your life. We didn't get to the rest of the chapter as usual, but there are so many things left in verse in, in chapter six 
where God talks about the, the, when he comes the second time to recover the house of Israel and those who believe on him, the, the wonders and the, the, the terrible things that will happen. But in the very end of the, of the chapter, Jacob ends with the chapter on, and he says, and I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Brothers and sisters, as we exercise our faith in the Lord and Savior, He will fight our battles. He will stand by our side. And we will experience the gospel and His love in ways that we have not experienced it before, if we will pay the price. I testify that these things are true, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.